Hi, I'm Ali Maldro, the host of A Public Affair on Tuesdays. You can listen to this show any day of the week, any hour of the day on the WORT smartphone app or on wortfm.org. If you love what you hear, click that donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. No Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Maldro, and this is A Public Affair. Today, I am joined by four amazingly, you know, powerful local leaders, Senator Calder Royce and Representative Lisa Subak, are co-authors of the Abortion Rights Preservation Act, which would repeal Wisconsin's 18... 18- 49 law that criminalizes abortion. Representative Francesca Hung Hung represents Wisconsin's Assembly District 76. Senator Melissa Agar represents District 16 in the Wisconsin Senate. Um, I'm so grateful to be joined by by you all and to get to have this conversation. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Francesca. How are you? How are you doing today? How's how's life treating you? Life is uh, a little overwhelming. I'm sure many in the community feel that way, um, but I am doing okay. Grateful to be in a cool environment right now um, and uh, ready to talk about um, how we can defend our rights. Thank you so much for, for joining us for this conversation, and I'm glad you're keeping cool on this very, very hot Tuesday in Madison, Wisconsin. Melissa or Senator Agar, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining us on WORT. I'm so glad to be here with this um, amazing and powerful group of change makers. Uh, as we start moving forward with summer, I, we all have kids in our lives and we're navigating what that looks like and making sure that we're continuing to put the needs of the people of Wisconsin first. And that's what we're here to talk about. So oh, thanks for having me. Holly. I'm like, I cannot imagine better folks to have this conversation with than you all. And Melissa, I'm so grateful that, that you are joining us, especially, you know, as a mama of of four. Um, a lot of us have kids on this on this on this call right now, on this show right now. Um, but you you have the most. Um, Kelda, I know you're um, for a little a little further away. How are how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining us today on a public affair. So good to be with you. Thanks for having us and for uh, talking about this really important and timely issue. Lisa, I'm going to start you off by one, asking how you're doing today, but then also asking about what it meant for you to work with Senator Royce, um, so Calda, uh, to co-author the Abortion Rights Preservation Act, um, which would repeal Wisconsin's 1849 law that criminalizes abortion. So how are you doing today and why was it important to you to co-author the Abortion Rights Preservation Act? Thank you, Ali. Thanks for having me. I am doing well today. I wish we were here to talk about something fun and exciting and something on which we are making progress rather than the latest assault on our reproductive rights in the hands of the Supreme Court. But um, so glad to be here talking about it anyway. I was pleased that Senator Royce and I were able to author the Abortion Rights Preservation Act. Um, For folks who don't know, Wisconsin has a law in our books that's been on the books since before the Civil War that um, criminalizes abortion. And plain and simple abortion is health care. It's not criminal activity. And that needs to change with the threat to Roe imminent. Um, Certainly, this is the time to repeal our criminal abortion ban. Um, We have been trying to do this for more years than I can count. This has been introduced time and time again, and Republicans have stood in the way at every turn. Um, But here in Wisconsin, the only thing standing between our criminal abortion ban being enforced and not is the Roe v. Wade decision. And if, as we expect, the Supreme Court were to overturn that by the end of this month or maybe early next month, um, we may find ourselves in a position where our basic freedom to decide when and if we are going to start a family, when and if we are going to carry a pregnancy to term will no longer um, be intact. And that's that's a frightening thought. I'm glad we were able to author this thought. I wish that um, we didn't have this Republican majority that stands in the way time and again. Um, Frankly, the time is now to protect our freedom. I think it's really important to talk about the the Republican majority's ability to, you know, 
really impact the the way we navigate through abortion, right? So the the Republicans um, have decided that you have to have an ultrasound, a, a vaginal ultrasound in order to have an abortion, that you have to watch a, a tape that discourages you from having an abortion and then wait 24 hours. There's been a series of, of, of barriers created to abortion already. And you say, you know, you saying, Lisa, that, that this majority... Um, um, is is you know is the the barricade um, to to our ability to access abortion? Does that majority represent the way the majority of the state feels about abortion? Um, certainly not. Um, the majority of Wisconsinites, and this has shown up in poll after poll, um, support keeping Roe v. Wade intact. And frankly, you know, repealing this 1849 law is the fundamental question of should we have the right to decide whether or not to have an abortion, which if you extend that out is should we have the freedom to decide when and if we bear children and when and if we um, carry a pregnancy to term, um, whether abortion is outlawed or whether it this right is left intact, the need will not go away. We will still see unplanned pregnancies and we will still see untenable pregnancies, pregnancies that can't be carried to term. And at its core, this law is, do you have the freedom to make that decision or should politicians make that decision for you? Robin Voss and the Republicans in the legislature um, control what does and doesn't move through the legislature and they've made their opinion clear. They want to decide when and if you carry a pregnancy to term. They want to make your personal reproductive health decisions for you. Representative Lisa Subek, thank you so much for speaking to that. Kelda, you are the other co-author of the Abortion Rights Preservation Act, and you're also an attorney. Um, you have a long history of advocating uh, for abortion rights, for reproductive freedom. Talk to me a little bit about what it will mean if the Abortion Rights Preservation Act does not pass. Um, if abortion becomes criminalized in Wisconsin, does that mean somebody like myself who has had an abortion uh, could be facing, you know, criminal consequences um, for a decision I made as a as a 16 year old? Well, fortunately, um, anyone who's previously had an abortion is not going to be subject uh, to criminal prosecution. What's going to happen is that when Roe v. Wade is overturned in a matter of weeks, the legality of abortion is going to be thrown into question. And so there are going to be prosecutors all over the state that are champing at the bit to try to go after women and go after healthcare providers to try to test the limits of the law. And that's why Planned Parenthood has said, basically, we're going to stop providing abortions in Wisconsin and in all these other states where the legality of abortion is now um, thrown into question or um, abortion is clearly illegal. Um, as my colleague, Representative Zubek, already noted, abortion is heavily regulated in Wisconsin. And so there is this, this legal question about if we have an 1849 law that says abortion's a crime, full stop, no exceptions, you know, from the very beginning, earliest stages of, of pregnancy. But then we also have later laws that clearly were meant to regulate abortion, um, and, and Wisconsin does have some of the most onerous restrictions in the nation. How can you have something that's a crime and regulated? Um, so there's a conflict here. And so, you know, I think that there are going to be legal arguments that are made uh, in the courts, and they're going to they're spend the next couple of years basically fighting about um, whether or not the, the 1849 statute can be enforced or not. But what that means in the meantime is that people who need abortion care are really going to be out of luck. And that is why it is very important for anyone to go right now, well, you still can for the next couple of weeks, go to aidaccess.org, which is a website run by an incredible physician, um, a Dutch physician, that will mail you an abortion, um, medication abortion pills, that you can keep in your medicine cabinet, keep in your closet. They have a shelf life of several years, totally safe. Um, and you can have it on hand when you need it. That will help take the pressure off of clinics in Illinois who are going to be dealing with, you know, abortion basically totally illegal and unavailable in two time zones. And it will make sure that you have one right away when you need one. Um, when you have a medication abortion, it is indistinguishable from a miscarriage. So there, you know, you can just say, I started bleeding, um, I'm having a miscarriage. And that is one really powerful way that we can continue to manage our own health and our own care, regardless of what a bunch of right-wing 
extremists on the Supreme Court say um, we should do with our bodies. Calda, I want to thank you for for everything you just spoke to. And I want to ask, because you did speak to, to miscarriage, you know, if if Planned Parenthood is not performing abortion, then, you know, abortion medication and the medication used to support people who are miscarrying uh, intersects. It is the same medication. In fact, oftentimes it is the same procedures and processes. And if those procedures and processes are restricted or less accessible, um, you know, how, how are we going to be able to tell when a miscarriage... Um, um, is, you know, occurring spontaneously. The the medical term for miscarriage is spontaneous abortion versus an induced miscarriage or uh, or uh, an intentionally planned miscarriage. Um, how will we be able to, to tell the difference? And is there a possibility that women who miscarry will be blamed or faulted or end up incarcerated um, because they were unable to sustain a pregnancy physically? Yes, unfortunately, we have seen that all over the country and all over the world, that when uh, reproductive rights and abortion access is restricted or criminalized, that, you know, your uterus basically becomes a scene of a crime that the state can investigate. And women have been uh, put under suspicion and even prosecuted and imprisoned for having a miscarriage. Um, this is incredibly scary. And, um, you know, it is one reason why I think it's very, very important for people to be able to self-manage abortion, because if you uh, if you present at the hospital, there is no test that they can do to say, did you, you know, is this abortion spontaneous or did it come because of the use of medication? Um, so there's no reason that anybody has to tell anyone. Um, but it's also good to talk to your healthcare provider right now and just say, you know, if I'm a person of reproductive age, if I if I could get pregnant, I need to know, is it safe to talk to you if I have a miscarriage or do I need to find another health care provider who's going to support me and my health no matter what and not try to treat me like a criminal? Now, here in Madison, obviously, I think we're lucky to have, for the most part, excellent health care and excellent health care providers, but that's not true all around the state. Um, and so it's really important for people to have these conversations now with their health care team. Thank you so much for speaking to that, Kelda. I think it's it's one of the areas that becomes the the most, I guess, um, the most intense for me to imagine because I think there are so many things that can happen when you're pregnant. I've had three pregnancies. My last pregnancy was incredibly difficult. Um, and the idea that somebody would force a person to maintain a pregnancy is something I can't I can't really imagine. Francesca, um, you and I are both people who grew up with uh, abortion rights, who grew up with the rights to our bodies. Um, we're both from, you know, Madison. What what are you doing within your role as as the representative of Wisconsin's 76th district, which is a very progressive area, um, to to fight back against you know the the law that criminalizes abortion in Wisconsin? Thanks so much for that question, Ellie. I think it's always important to remember that you know this the spreading of helplessness the spreading of fear is is a tool and a weapon is, is a weapon that the right and the extremists always use to try to make us lose sight of the power of our voices and so right now our office is working diligently to ensure that the trusted messengers who are in our district are able to get this message out that right now in Wisconsin you have abortion is safe and legal but this criminal this uh, criminal abortion ban is in the books and so we do have to be prepared and so making sure that folks have good messaging that makes folks have an understanding of what our partners like at Planned Parenthood um, would like us to be able to relay. Um, we each have a responsibility to make sure we're having these important conversations because ultimately no one should have the right to be able to tell you what to do with your body. No one should be denying you health care. Abortion is health care. And so giving people the tools to be able to be the trusted messengers to other folks to have these conversations, to know that we have power in our voice and to know that we have to keep fighting this. Um, we have to do it collectively and ensure that we're communicating, you know, across all different sectors um, that this is something we have to prioritize and we, we can't let up. I think there's a lot of different strategy as to why there was a leak and, and what we can speculate, those types of things. Um, but in the end, we need to make sure that going into the election, um, we continue to 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 make this known because I think there are going to be a lot of people who want to mobilize around this issue um, because it's deeply personal to them or deeply personal to someone that they love. 
Oh, I, I completely agree with that. And at the same time, I'm like, I have a hard time, you know, thinking that um, that this is going to be, be used to inspire people to vote, to turn out the vote. I'm like, this is, you know, this impacts people who cannot vote. Uh, it was interesting looking at our ban and talking about like reproductive age. And um, oftentimes it's like age 15 to age 45. And I, I thought that's that's very convenient. But, you know, people can can get their period at as as young as nine years old. Um, and I think that that we really have to think about like there's there's people who are impacted by this who don't have a vote, who don't have a say, who are who are really young um, and are relying on the adults in their lives and the leaders in their community to stand up for them. Um, if you're just joining us, you're listening to a public affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name is Ali Muldrow and today we're in conversation with Senator Calda Royce, Representative Lisa Subak, Representative Francesca Hung and Senator Melissa Agard about Wisconsin's upcoming special session on abortion. Melissa, I want to talk to you a little bit about a piece of legislation that you tried to pass um, a few years ago to end stealthing. And uh, stealthing is the the practice of deceiving somebody into thinking that you are using contraceptive or wearing a condom and then removing um, a condom without telling that person or not having contra- not using contraceptive um, without informed consent um, of a partner. And you you tried to make that illegal. Um, I think looking at you know if we are if we're talking about you know banning uh, abortion and criminalizing abortion um, we have to have conversations about sexual assault we have to talk about contraceptive and what it means to having formed consent around the use of contraceptive can you talk to me a little bit about where we are as a state in terms of our 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 relationship to stealthing and our relationship to contraceptive yeah, so Ali, so important to understand the intersection um, of consent and um, abortion access. We know in Wisconsin, frankly, that if we wanted to decrease um, the number of abortions that were occurring in our state, that we would actually invest in comprehensive access to health care, access to birth control, making sure that every um, person in Wisconsin has comprehensive sex ed that talks about um about their bodies and um, about how it is that pregnancy occurs and how to prevent pregnancy. Um, We know that if we were talking about domestic violence, um, domestic violence prevention and consent, um, that we would be decreasing the need for abortion. Uh, These are all ways that we can actually decrease um, people's uh, need to have access to abortion. But we know that by criminalizing abortion, that by rolling back the clock 170-some years to when people rode horses and only white men created laws in our state, um, that we actually going to decrease the nation access. And um, we know also that is something that um, it's, it's not a one and done. It's a conversation that continues to have to occur in relationships, whether it is... Um, in your relationship with um, your partner, uh, your sexual partner, or it's, um, you know, your relationships with people in everyday activities. Consent isn't something that you give at one point in time. And personal listen, uh, we have two mates in, in the legislature that seem to think that you know, boys are going to be boys. And that um, if a, a Woman, if a person has given consent, that uh, that will immediately be friendship. For some people, in fact, consent is simply getting married, um, and then uh, your your sexual partner is is your toy to your pleasure. Um, and that's why it is so very important that we have these conversations in regards to stealthing um, and how, what a healthy relationship is, um, and frankly, how it is that we prevent pregnancy um, in increased voice of people in the state of Wisconsin. And as um, Representative Hong and Representative Subek and um, Senator Royce have mentioned, um, we know that people of means are be able to have access to abortion once the criminal abortion ban becomes the law of the land and when Roe is overturned. But how is it that we take um, our space and provide access to folks who are more vulnerable? People like said, who don't have Senator Agar, I, th- I think what you're saying... 
access to the ability to go to the ballot box. And that's what we need leaders in our community. Senator Agar, Agar, I want to thank you for what you're saying. I think it's incredibly important, but I do want to mention that I think we're having a little bit of an issue with your audio. Um, And so I'm going to come back to you to talk a little bit more about stealthing. I'm going to bounce over to Senator Calda Royce and ask you, you know, is is part of what's happening right now about men's rights? Is it about empowering men to have more authority um, when it comes to the bodies of women? Is is abortion, you know, unfair to men because they don't necessarily have a say in it? Um, who benefits from banning abortion? What is what are the what are what are the things that we're so supposed to be excited for um, when we lose abortion? Who benefits from criminalizing abortion? No question that the move to ban abortion and restrict reproductive health care access uh, is deeply rooted in misogyny and sexism. It's also closely related to authoritarianism. When you look around the world and you see the sort of retreat of democracy, it is correlated with these countries that are attempting to control women's reproduction. Um, And that's because women cannot be full equal citizens that participate in civic life unless we have control over our reproduction. Um, So this, this is a very clear link. One of the things that I think will shock a lot of Americans is to realize how much men benefit from abortion right now. Uh, you know, if abortion, even though it's heavily restricted and it's not available for many people, um, either because of cost or because of distance or logistics or, you know, legal restrictions, but many people are getting abortion because they have unwanted pregnancy with it, or they, you know, didn't want a parent with that partner, or it wasn't the right time in their life, or something has gone horribly wrong in a wanted pregnancy, and they've had that option. When that option is taken away, it is not just women who will be impacted. It is also the male partners who impregnated um, women. So, uh, you know, I think it is it is really important for men to understand that they also have a stake in this. Um, and certainly there are men and too many of them sit on the Supreme Court who want to take us back to a time when women really were not full citizens. Um, and it really was not that long ago. They want to impose their very narrow religious beliefs on all the rest of us, um, which we know that's not how you can live in a free society. We have to be able to live and let live, even if people have different ideas uh, about what what is good and what is bad. We can't use the power of the government to enforce private reproductive choices on people. Um, but But men are absolutely going to need to be a part of this fight and of the struggle. And I think it's going to be a rude awakening for many men who have allowed their female partners to take responsibility for contraception and um, reproductive health when they realize that, you know, every time they have sex could absolutely result in a pregnancy that will not be able to be terminated. Thank you so much for speaking to that, Senator Royce. I, I think, you know, if you want to join this conversation about abortion, about, you know, what what is going to happen in Wisconsin when Roe v. Wade is overturned, the number is 608-256-2001, extension 9. We want to encourage uh, parents to call. We want to encourage women to call. We want to encourage moms to call. Um, and we want to encourage folks who have never joined us on the radio before to join us on the radio today. The number, again, is 608 Francesca, I want to ask you, you know, going into the special session on abortion, what are what are your hopes um, for that special session? And also, you know, you've you've done this before. Um, Tony Evers has called a little over a dozen special sessions. Most of them have not resulted in legislation. Um, are, are, are you interacting with this special se- session as if it is something um that is more symbolic than anything else. I have very little hope going into this special session that any action or solution will come of it. Um, However, I know that we can use this as a powerful organizing tool to ensure that communities know where their allies are, that their communities know that Democrats in the legislature are working to bring the majority 
back to work to do their job and pass legislation to protect women and pregnant people um, to allow for access to abortions. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of hope that legislation will come from it. It is symbolic in that sense, um, but it is a, an opportunity for us to reinforce that the majority party view this issue about power and control. This, uh, the abortion rights issue is also deeply rooted in a white supremacy system and maintaining it. Those who are in control and those who have power, the majority are cis heterosexual white males want to make sure that they are not told what to do, but they get to tell other people what to do. And that's right now those other people that they're talking about are pregnant people, but they're going to use this, they're continue to use this as a tool to take rights from trans folks, as a tool to take rights from marriage equality, as a tool to make sure that they're maintaining a system that works for them and no one else. And so I hope that this special session can be an opportunity for us to again build a coalition, a riot that we are still fighting, we are going to continue to fight for our rights, and that abortion should remain safe, that abortion is healthcare and should be accessible to all. Thank you so much for speaking to that, Representative Francesca Hung. Lisa Subek, I am curious, you know, for for the folks who say, um, you know, abortion is not health care, abor- terminating a, a pregnancy is not within a person's right, that we have adoption and we have contraception and we have so many options that allow for people to avoid abortion. Um, an, abor- an abortion, you know, is is not about terminating a pregnancy, but about killing a child. How do you address folks who who really believe that and really think that they're they're doing um, you know, that they're taking the, my, the moral high ground when it comes to banning abortion. So I want to start by um, just reflecting on the fact that somebody you know, somebody I know, somebody each of your listeners knows has had an abortion or is going to find themselves in a position of seeking an abortion at some point in their lives. Yes, you all know me and I have had an abortion. Yes, and... For folks out in your listener world, it may be a mother, it may be a friend, it may be a sister, it may be a daughter, but abortion impacts all of us. Um, and certainly everybody's circumstance is different, every, every pregnancy is different, and every abortion is different. Um, and there is no good reason versus bad reason to seek an abortion, but I do think it's important to highlight, and this speaks a little bit to what you were talking about with Senator Agard. I'm going to flashback for just a moment here about sexual assault, Wisconsin's ban on abortion, our criminal abortion ban, actually has no exceptions for the health of the mother, has no exceptions for incest victims, has no exception for survivors of sexual assault. Um, And the the one exception that's there for the life of the mother requires the sign-off of multiple doctors. And I want people to just think for a minute about being in a position where you or someone you care about is facing a medical crisis, a life or death situation, and your physician says to you, oh, I can't take action yet because I need the sign-off of two more doctors. Let me get some other folks here to sign off, right? That's the position physicians and patients are being put in. I heard a doctor speaking about an 11-year-old survivor of incest who was pregnant, who needed an abortion. Imagine telling an 11-year-old child, no, you need to carry that that pregnancy to term. You need to go through childbirth. Your body may not even be ready to do that yet. And certainly emotionally, you may not be. In the case of sexual assault survivors, some some people choose if they're pregnant during get pregnant during a sexual assault to carry that pregnancy. Others choose not to. But it real really boils down to who should make that decision. Somebody has already suffered the violation of sexual assault, having their power taken from them. And they're in a position of taking that power back, and now you're going to say you are not empowered to make the decision about what happens in your pregnancy? Oh, that's appalling. And frankly, anybody who's going to argue abortion isn't necessary, abortion isn't health care, is not looking at the totality of the circumstances. And as I said earlier, this really is about basic freedom. This is about your freedom to make decisions that are right for you. And in any given set of circumstances, People will weigh that differently. Who should be involved in making that decision? You, your physician, 
your family or your support network and your faith, not somebody else's faith, not somebody else's family, not somebody else's physician, right? And certainly not your politicians. When you walk into your gynecologist's office, the last people you want to see there is a panel of whether it's, you know, assembly representatives, governors, Congress people, imagine that. No, because these are your decisions and you should have the power to make them. There are not right and wrong decisions in a broad sweeping way. What's right or wrong varies from person to person and circumstance to circumstance. And that, that, that is what's reflected in Roe. It is about protecting your basic right. Oh, thank you so much for speaking to that. And I think this is such a deeply personal and private, you know, situation that people find themselves in and navigating it is often so incredibly complicated. I, I think it's really important to continue to acknowledge that the law you're trying to repeal was created in 1849 before the Civil War. It was created during slavery. Um, and I think we don't, you know, I really appreciate Francesca Hung talking about how this this ban on abortion is also racist. Um, you know, when you talk about like forced pregnancy, um, and you think about slavery and you think about the relationship we had to slave breeding in this country, what it meant to own the bodies of black women um, and to own the bodies of their children and to force them to be pregnant in order to create more slaves. I think when you look at that history, um, you have to you have to be critical of where people were at in 1849 in the United States of America. Kelda, can you talk to us a little bit about the history of the law that that criminalizes abortion in the state of Wisconsin? Sure. Um, and I, I think your point is, is a really important one to focus on. The fact that any government that is powerful enough to force you to continue a pregnancy is also powerful enough to deny you the ability to have a pregnancy. You know, think about the history of forced sterilizations in this country and the idea that people who are disabled or people who are um, deemed mentally unfit, whatever that meant or, to the or people who were indigenous. Right, were, were, had their bodily autonomy and their ability to be parents stripped away from them violently by the government. Um, so I think it's really important for people to understand why abortion became a crime in the first place. It had nothing to do with concern or respect for fetal life. That didn't come till 100 years later, till um, racist, uh, extreme right-wing fundamentalist Christians wanted a way to justify and keep their tax breaks and keep segregated schools. And they seized on the abortion issue as one that they could use to manipulate their base into voting the way they wanted. So understand that there really was not a religious, ethical, or moral objection to abortion. What happened was uh, physicians began to professionalize. They were sort of moving away from the the barber model of medicine to a more professional um, medical association, and they were moving to cut out the competition. And traditionally, women's reproductive health care had been provided by female midwives, herbalists, um, who had been responsible for the care of pregnant women and birthing women. Um, and providing that kind of reproductive health care. So they wanted to cut out that competition and medicalize the process of pregnancy and birth. Um, There was also, uh, just like we see today, a kind of racist uh, argument made that talked about how white Protestant upper-class women were having low birth rates because they were accessing abortion and contraception regularly, Whereas, you know, we should all be terrified of the masses of, at that time, um, Italian, Irish, and other suspect immigrant groups that were having high birth rates because they were not using contraception. So then, as now, we see the kind of racist, um, xenophobic arguments used to justify control of women's reproduction. Um, And that history, I just think, is so critically important um, because it really if if people honestly really believed that it was about saving embryonic and fetal life, then the people who want to see abortion eliminated would be doing everything they can to reduce the need for abortion. But in fact, what you see, it is only the pro-choice movements like the leaders on this call today 
that are doing what they can to reduce unintended pregnancy, to make sure that we, um, that no woman has to face the choice of an abortion, uh, you know, except as a last resort. We want to see every person having access to birth control. We want to see young people empowered with accurate information that will help them make good choices throughout their whole lives. We want to make sure that parents have parental leave and then no one feels like they have to have an abortion because they can't afford another child. Um, so it is, if you don't want to see abortion happening, you do everything you can to empower people to prevent unintended pregnancy and to be parents. And, and that's not what you see from anti-choice politicians. Thank you so much for speaking to that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name is Ali Maldro, and today we're in conversation with Senator Kelda Royce, Representative Lisa Subak, Representative Francesca Hung, and Senator Melissa Agard about Wisconsin's upcoming special session on abortion. I, I asked Francesca how she was feeling going into this special session. Um, it's coming up pretty quick. You all have about a week to, to prepare for it. Lisa, uh, how are how are you feeling going into the the special session called by Tony Evers? Sure. So I have no illusions that nothing is going to happen legislatively in the special session. Um, Republicans have had the opportunity to act on this issue and have very deliberately chosen not to. Um, the the legislation that the governor put out there is the same legislation that Senator Royce and I introduced, which is the same legislation that we have introduced in session after session after session for the entire time I've been in the legislature. And in fact, the first time this legislation was introduced, it was introduced by former Senator Risser shortly after Roe was decided in the early 1970s. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes, it's amazing, the history of this, right? Um, And you know, I think for for, for many years, this sat on the back burner, even at times when we were making progress on reproductive rights and access to reproductive health care, the sat on the back burner because the threat didn't seem real to folks, right? Like right after Roe was decided, it was sort of, oh, well, that can't be enforced anyway. Um, now that the threat is real, we're in this position politically where, you know, we just don't have the will in the legislature to do this. That said, I think it speaks to the importance of elections because that's our opportunity to make a difference. And first and foremost, we have got to reelect Governor Evers. If we do not reelect Governor Evers, you can bet that things will get even worse. That life exception that's in this um, ban will be gone because a Republican majority in the legislature and a Republican governor will sign that into law. We need Josh Call as our attorney general. He will not make it a priority, he has said, to enforce this law. Um, The Republican attorney general candidates are chomping at the bit to go after physicians and others who help people get abortions. That is just plain wrong. We need to reelect Josh Call, and we need to ensure that we keep a veto proof, um, that that we have a veto proof, even if we're in the minority, a veto proof minority. (laughs) Or sorry, I'm saying that backwards. We do not want to let the Republicans get a veto proof majority. We need to be able to say that Ideally, we need to grow our numbers. And I've said it a thousand times, I'm going to say it again. If you can't change their minds, change who's occupying those seats. Mm. And this is the time to do that. I think that right now folks are fired up because this is an all-out assault on our freedom and on our rights. This is the time to go to the polls in November and to vote for legislators and others who will protect our rights to access safe and legal abortion here in the state of Wisconsin. This is the time to do it. We know the majority of Wisconsinites are on our side, so let's make this an issue. Uh, On election day, let's make this an issue at the ballot box, and let's carry that forth next spring when we look at the state Supreme Court um, election as well. I mean, I think you heard Senator Rice say early in the program, talked a little bit about the legal framework here around potential challenges to the 1849 law. Frankly, right now, given the makeup of our court, that's probably not a very good strategy because we know what the federal court is doing and we know where our state Supreme Court is. Um, In this spring, we will have the opportunity to elect a new state Supreme Court justice. Um, Justice Rogensack is 
stepping down and leaving the court. That will be an open seat. Here's our opportunity to elect somebody fair-minded and who respects our freedom and our rights um, and will stand up and protect us. Thank you so much for speaking to that, Lisa Subek. Melissa, I, I want to ask you a similar question. Um, but as you know, as a mom, you're going to walk into to the special session um, and you're you know, you're you know that that the plan is to gavel out of uh, out of that session. What are are you hoping or what can we do to, you know, defend abortion, to support people who need abortions um, when Roe v. Wade is overturned? Um, if the special session that that you all are, are going to participate in next week um, is unlikely to result in any sort of legislation or any sort of change to to protect abortion or protect the privacy of people um, who are who who need an abortion. Well, first of all, uh, I want to make sure that we have good internet access and telephone abilities so that you guys can we can communicate with each other well. So hopefully we've got a better connection now. You sound you sound a lot better, Senator Agar Agar Agar. <laughs> good. <laughs> all right. So I just wanted to check that. But um, as Representative Subek said, um, and Representative Hong, it is very unlikely. I mean, the Republicans have already called their cards. Um, they plan to gavel in and out, as they have on so many other important issues that the vast majority of the people in Wisconsin want us um, to, to, to address in the legislature. And it is just maddening that um, there are a few people that represent the majority of the people, I mean, the minority of the people in our state who have a very loud voice, as opposed to legislators that represent the majority of the people in the state of Wisconsin and the issues that um, we all think about at our kitchen tables. And that is um, ensuring that we have a safe state for our kids and for our families. And safety includes having access um, to comprehensive health care. And comprehensive health care means having access to abortions um, and access to birth control and access to doctors that know that they can have safe conversations with their patients. So, Regardless of what happens next week on the legislative floor, um, I am hopeful that people in Wisconsin are waking up to um, raising their voices. And as Representative Subek pointed out, no better time than at the ballot box across the state of Wisconsin and supporting candidates in Wisconsin that really are um, on the front of these issues, that the people, our good friends and neighbors all across our state, whether in northern Wisconsin and um, Eastern Wisconsin and rural Wisconsin and urban Wisconsin care about the fact that people have access to medical freedoms and be able to decide what is best for themselves and for their families. And that includes access to abortion. That includes access to comprehensive sex ed. That includes having access to birth control. Abortion is an incredibly time sensitive issue. So I greatly appreciate that we want to get people out to vote. Um, I really do. You all know that I believe in in electing people. I believe in supporting candidates. I I believe in the work that you all do across the state. I am definitely, you know, paying attention to the Supreme Court spring election next year, um, as well as the governor's election this fall. But if you are pregnant, you don't have time to try to vote a new legislature into office in order to get the reproductive care that you need. So in the immediate you know, wake of our loss of Roe v. Wade, what are folks supposed to do um, to to, you know, to get the health care that they need if you all cannot get this done next week in the special session? Well, we know that, you know, next week, regardless of what happens with the special session, abortion will still be illegal in Wisconsin until the U.S. Supreme Court takes action. So we do want to make sure that people realize that you do still have the right to an abortion right now today. Still, you will and you will um, very likely next week, you know, but we are anticipating the U.S. Supreme Court um, putting their decision out and having it match this this leak that was um, provided to us uh, a handful of weeks ago. That being said, there are amazing doctors and folks at Planned Parenthood and folks at NARAL who are working very hard to make sure that people continue to have access to abortion. We know that in Wisconsin, um, pregnant people with means are going to be able to have access to abortion. They're going to be able to get on an airplane. They're going to be able to pay for a private doctor. They're going to be able to have access to abortion. But what we need to be doing and what I know that people in Wisconsin are doing are making plans to support people that don't have those means, the most vulnerable among us, whether they're young people, um, whether they're poor people, whether they're um, 
folks that um, are in the system. We need to make sure that they have access. And there are people all across Wisconsin making those plans, working with partners um, in um, other states like Kansas and right across the border in Illinois. Um, but as Representative Roy said, you can also right now order um, order an abortion and uh, order Plan B and make sure that the young people in your lives and the folks of reproductive age have um, plans uh, to have IUDs and, and other birth control because this is an attack on all reproductive freedoms. And we need to make sure that um, people are being pragmatic about it and our offices and, and we are on the front lines and we are going to do everything that we can to connect people with the resources that they need. Thank you so much for, for speaking to that, Senator Agar. Francesca Hung, I am curious, you know, for, for young women out there, for women who cannot vote, um, but who are, you know, of reproductive age, who do have their period or mis- menstruate, um, for any person who is able to get pregnant, um, what, do you, what do you say to folks who, you know, maybe are not going to be able to, to get out and vote, but need to advocate for themselves and, and for each other um, on the issue of, bor- of abortion. How do, how do young women, how do young folks get involved um, and hold their government accountable if they don't agree with, with the abortion ban? Well, the first thing I always say to young folks is thank you, that, um, and that they do not need permission to lead. I think really harnessing their power and their voice and recognizing that they are some of the biggest stakeholders in this entire conversation and their voices matter. Um, to not and to know that you know there is a larger community and a chosen family um, that will be supportive of them regardless of what decision they make with their bodies. Um, I see mobilization happening in young younger communities um, that I have not seen in my entire lifetime. And so to know that they have access to tools within their own community, whether that be via social media, whether that be um, in indirect services as well, um, that they have the power and that it's our our job as legislators, as adults, as, as folks with means um, or, or access to other resources uh, to not only to share, but to give young folks agency and in, in mobilizing. Um, I think it's also really important for um, people who can get pregnant right now uh, to know that they have allies as their elected leaders, like the folks that I'm, I'm speaking with today, um, and, and that you know we are here to have them lead as well. Thank you so much for for saying that to our young people. And I do think, you know, there has to be a a resistance. You saw folks, you saw the abortion ban in Poland and the level of outrage that that women in Poland expressed um, caused a very rapid reversal of that decision um, because they brought their society to a halt. They did not wait around for an election. Um, They they said this is not okay, um, and we're going to do something about it. And honestly, I've looked at Poland over and over again to find reassurance. Um, Kelda, you know, one of the things that's really been kind of killing me about this is that when I was 16 and had an abortion, my abortion was covered by my mom's insurance. My mom has worked for the state of Wisconsin the vast majority of my life. Um, You know, that is no longer an option. Your state insurance will not cover an abortion. And the idea that I am raising my, my three daughters in a world where they will have less rights as adolescent young women than I did um, is something that really eats at me but my mom said this really beautiful thing recently which is um, we have we've fought this fought before fought this fight before and we have won we have fought this fight before and we have won um, Kelda is do you see a, a path to victory in terms of our uh, the way we respond to the abortion ban yes I do and it's because abortion is not controversial we are the majority We are the vast majority. Time and again, in survey after survey, decade after decade, even in Wisconsin, people want to see abortion legal. They don't want it to be a crime. And we're dealing with another side who is not going to stop at just turning it back to the states and saying, okay, it's going to be illegal in half the country. They want a nationwide ban. It was already reported the night of the leak. They were plotting how they were going to do a nationwide ban if Republicans take control of Congress and the presidency. They will go after birth control. We Women of means may be able to travel, but that's not going to be true if there's a nationwide ban. Even today, with just the bans we're seeing in Texas, Planned Parenthood clinics are running a month behind, meaning that abortion is already unavailable which is why step one for all of us 
is manage our own health care. Have an abortion in your medicine cabinet for you or someone you love. Go to aidaccess.org and do it right now. Step two, we do not have to accept this reality. We do not have to go backwards in time. It is up to us to make sure that we're not just voting for Governor Evers and Josh Call. We are stepping up. We're mobilizing. We're doing what's uncomfortable. We are volunteering week after week, knocking on doors, making phone calls, wearing our, you know, pro-choice, pro Tony Evers buttons so that we can talk to people. It's up up to us, your listeners and the people who care about this issue to make it matter at the ballot box in November and then in next year's Supreme Court election when we can flip our Supreme our state Supreme Court. And if we do that, we can make sure that the time when abortion is unavailable in Wisconsin is very, very limited, limited to a year or two versus a generational fight for our daughters to fight. I think, you know, there is the time when it is unavailable and there is the time when people go to prison for for an abortion or for helping somebody to get an abortion. And I think, you know, having abortion be unavailable, I think that folks have wrapped their minds around that. Um, I think sending women and girls and young people to prison for for getting an abortion is something that is far harder for us to to really uh, imagine. And I appreciate that you you gave us that note of hope. Melissa Agar, I am going to give you our last word. I want to thank you, Francesca Hong, Lisa Subak, and Calder Royce for joining us. Melissa, I'm curious, you know, if there's anything we can do to support you all as as you are fighting this fight, what can we do to to champion the, the folks who are standing up for our right to an abortion? Well, first and foremost, what happens next week isn't completely decided. So I am hopeful that people show up next week um, and they show up between now and next week and let the leaders of the legislature, the Republican uh, men who are the leaders of the legislature, know how it is that they feel and that they want action um, and that they raise their voices next week um, and make noise and let people know how passionate and really pragmatic and no nonsense access to abortion is. It is um, it is health care. Um, are none. And after that, know that there are people out there at Planned Parenthood and other groups like Women's Medical Fund who are going to have the backs of people who do need access to abortion if and when this does happen in Wisconsin. And beyond that, as Representative Roy said, let's get uncomfortable. Um, Let's raise our voices and um, make sure that generations of women don't continue to suffer. Thank you all so much for joining me today on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. This is a public affair. I'm your host, Ali Maldrow. I'll see y'all next week at the Capitol. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground, another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Dark vision fly by helicopters in the night. Attempt triangulation of our station in the fight. Straight from the base, deep down, no precision.